Josh Pollard. And I'm Joe Dostasio. And this is Story Players, the podcast that analyzes story-driven video games. This is the seventh episode of our Mass Effect Andromeda series. All right, so as a quick recap of episode six, uh, last time we found the Archon ship, we rescued the Solarian Ark, and now we know the coordinates of of Meridian, Mm -hmm. the place that we eventually need to go to hopefully light up all these vaults. We're not going to do that just yet, though. Well, that seems like it would make sense. Instead, we're going to take a break from all these main quests and do some more side missions this time, and and in particular, some loyalty missions. Yeah, so here's your spoiler warning for this episode. We're going to be discussing Liam Costa's Armor Diplomacy mission, Cora Harper at Duty's Edge, Turian Arc, Lost But Not Forgotten, and Veteranix Means and Ends. Also, while talking about those, we'll also be... That was two also's now. Also, while talking about those, we will be discussing two of the smaller priority ops missions just a little bit. We're not going to go into detail about what's going on during those missions, just that they do introduce us to two different worlds, two new worlds, and probably just talk about the physical properties of those worlds and what we think about them. Yeah, well, and there's almost nothing to even discuss on these two priority ops missions. The Both of these priority ops missions, like it probably you'll probably spend more time in loading screens than actually completed anything on these priority ops missions because it's just about landing on the planets, except for one as you talk to somebody. So yeah, so let's get on with our side quest. So Joe, the last time we did an episode that was all about side quest, we weren't super thrilled with them. They weren't the most fun side quest ever. What did you think about the ones that we're going to discuss today from, from a higher level? Well, I, I like these a lot better because these feel meatier. They feel uh, more important because we're, we're, we're doing loyalty missions for our crew. And there's just a lot more that happens. It's a lot more interesting. So uh, I definitely like them a lot better than those just one-offs where it takes about five minutes to go do something. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I felt basically the same way. The, the other thing that I liked about these ones, and I, I think this is true for all of them, they actually ended. It wasn't go and do a few things and then wait for some random moment in time in, in, in the future. That's true. These, these are conclusions for some long running quests. Mm -hmm. So even though this say Cora's at duty's edge starts and ends, we're going to discuss the beginning and through to the end for this mission. It's actually the conclusion to the whole Asari arc storyline. Right. One that we've been anxiously awaiting to be able to complete. And same for the Turian arc. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it is nice to, to not be left open-ended. Right. So let's start, though, with, with a different one. This was a, a much shorter one. Uh, it was different in the way that you completed it. And um, not at all what I think either of us were expecting. And that, of course, is Liam Costa's armored diplomacy mission. This is a mission that you actually... Uh, have available to you very, very early on in the game. As soon as you meet Jal, this becomes a mission that you can complete. I didn't complete it right away because the way that you do it is by crafting some armor. And I couldn't find the armor that I was supposed to craft through the, through the research console and, and all that stuff. And you you ended up doing it and then telling me, no, you go here to this thing, not to this thing. And then I was able to do it. Yeah, I would think that this 
could have been an earlier mission because it feels like it's trying to teach you the crafting system a little mm. bit more, but it does come pretty late. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's the only special thing about it is that when you go into the research and, dev- and development menu, there's a, there's a third or fourth option for special items. There's, right. there's a tab for Milky Way. There's a tab for um, Helios Remnant. And then there's a special one. And mm-hmm. it's there that you have to go to find the specific thing that uh, Liam is asking for. And I don't even remember what it is. It's just some sort of some piece of armor. Right. So after you after you craft it, uh, well, you have to research it and then you have to build it for him, craft it. And then you just you go talk to him and see what's going on. And when you go, when you go talk to him in his room, he's he's not wearing he's not wearing any clothes. Well, he's not wearing a shirt. He's not wearing a shirt. Jaw is there, and Jaw isn't wearing anything. Anything at all. <laughs> yeah, this 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 was weird. So you walk in, and they're not wearing anything, and they're barely even acknowledging that you're in the room with them. And I had to play this once. And then watch a video of it because I felt like I'd missed something. It's, it all goes by really quickly. And they're not super direct at telling you exactly what they're trying to achieve here. They're kind of making fun of each other. They're, they're insulting each other a little bit. And then Liam says that what they're trying to do is figure out where each other's real limits are. So that when they're on the battlefield they'll know the things that they can say and the things that they can't say. He says that they're trying to figure out the things about each other's races that wouldn't be documented by diplomats. Right. It's not just the two of them. It's, it's their species, their cultures, and things that might come up that in, in sort of a, a diplomatic negotiation or something. It might be helpful to know when you might be insulting someone. So I, I thought this was pretty cool, pretty neat idea. Oh yeah, I, I think it's an, an awesome thing for, for a couple of teammates to be doing who, you know, just trying to, boy, I was going to use the phrase feel each other out, but considering <laughs> they're mostly naked, I'm not sure that I want to use that phrase. Yeah, it, it seems like they just got into this while they're swapping armor. Like they just wanted to try each other's armor out. Yeah, but, and that's the part that doesn't really make a lot of sense here. Uh, it might explain why they're both either, you know, fully naked in Joel's case or half naked in Liam's case, or maybe they were just getting undressed to learn even more about each other and potentially find more things to tease each other about. Okay, so here's a question for you. Since since Jaw is your romantic interest, mm-hmm. was there any additional dialogue for you that made any reference like, like maybe I didn't want to show myself to you or anything like that? Uh, well, I, I walked in and immediately had an option of saying something like, did you call me down here for a show? <laughs> like, but I also got two romance options at, at different times. Okay. Like not, not at the same time. Sure. It was only yeah. one big heart at a time. And I picked both of them and they were, they were mostly joking around sort of romance options, you know, jokingly flirting about it. I chose them because Jaw was in the room and Jaw is the one that uh, the person that I'm pursuing with all the romance stuff. But it's mostly Liam that's saying all of these things. And it's mostly Liam that you're saying all of these things too. But mm-hmm. I decided to say them anyway. Oh, okay. No, there's no negative reaction from anybody? Or? I don't, I, I haven't experienced any negative reactions yet. Okay. Okay. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about with uh, this mission? Nope. Let's move on to Cora Harper. Because I think this is the one that we were most excited to do. 
Yeah, so this is this is Korra's loyalty mission. It calls it out on the on the journal screen. It says this is a loyalty mission. I don't know what that means in terms of of effect on the on the future story. Back in Mass Effect Two, it was important to gain your character's loyalty because as you approach the final mission, where it was like a suicide mission, certain characters could die depending on whether or not you had gained their loyalty. Right. It was important. So maybe this will be important in the future. And if that's the case, maybe we should also, it might be worthwhile to do all the characters' loyalty missions. Or the, the ones that we care the most about. Well, least. if you don't care about somebody, sure. Just let, them, <laughs> just let them die off. But not only is it Korra's loyalty mission, it's also, it is the conclusion to the Asari arc plotline here. So uh, I'm just going to go through the recap here and we can just discuss as we go. So we, we discovered the Asari arc using the coordinates that Korra had found from the arc's transponder. That is the previous Korra mission that we did. We get there and it has minimal power and there are multiple hull breaches, but there are life signs. On our way to the arc, Korra talks about Sarissa, a legendary Pathfinder bodyguard who has literally written the manual on crisis situations. And I don't know how much you've spent talking to Korra on, on your roundabouts around the Tempest, but this isn't the first time that Korra has talked about her. She talks about her all the time. This is Korra's hero in life, basically. Once we get on board, the Ark Captain mistakes us for Ket and attempts to vent us into space. She's with Sarissa, who introduces herself as the Pathfinder. What? Yeah, so... <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be the case. So here's, here's what she says. She says that the real Pathfinder, Pathfire, Pathfinder Ashara, died while trying to negotiate with the cat. Sarissa stole some tact- tactical data, including the cat's super secret routes through the Scourge. And in retaliation, the Archon sent some elite agents, uh, which the Asari have been fighting off. And there's still some cat on the ship. They, they could escape with a long enough FTL burn, faster than light travel, but the drive core is dead. So that's the situation that we're in right now. So. It seems like every Pathfinder we come across, there's is, like is dead. they're dead. Like <laughs> obviously we were se- we weren't second in command, but we got put into the Pathfinder role, right? Because the human Pathfinder died, right? Who else did we have? The Solarian Pathfinder faked their death. They're not dead, right? Right. Well, yes, because we both chose in that mission to go rescue her, Pathfinder Reka. Right. 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 At this point, we don't know about Turian. We don't know about the Turians. Okay, so I guess it, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be a surprise to us that the Pathfinder's dead. And in this case, uh, Cora said this was the Pathfinder's bodyguard. She must have been second in command. Mm-hmm. So now she's the Pathfinder. Yeah, makes sense. That cool. doesn't seem like anything fishy. No, but we know that, that it, we knew no later on that that is kind of fishy. Mm-hmm. So it's cool. It sounds cool that she's got some uh, secret routes through the Scourge. That's going to be very helpful if that is the case. To be able to navigate and not be hit by this ship-destroying thing. Well, and this is something that, I, that I've thought more about since finishing this mission. Yeah. Uh, th- this The secret data gets important here in a moment. But thinking back on it, I don't know if this is just uh, kind of a plot hole or, or what. But they, they described this, this secret route data as something that would help them get away from the cat. How, how would it help them do that? I, I I presume that when she stole it, she didn't remove the data from their systems also. So they probably still know how to get through those secret places through the Scourge. 
So how is it actually going to help you get away from the cat? Well, I don't think it's, do you mean get away from the cat from this particular circumstance and get the ship out of here? Because I took it to yes. mean, I took it to mean we have, there, there's like a mysterious forest out there with these hidden paths and if you, and it's all foggy. Mm. And if you just wander through the forest, you're just going to get lost. I see. And so by having these secret routes, you know the path. And if you need to go from this system to this system safely, because the scourge is in your way on the way there, then this is how you'd get around the scourge without getting hit by it. That makes sense. So it's not necessarily just for this particular situation, but just navigating around this galaxy without getting destroyed. Mm -hmm. So if the cat come do start attacking you. You remember in the one mission a few a, a ways back where we came across the cat and we had to try to escape through the scourge. Right. Um, that would make that sort of situation that much easier. Right. Of course, they could still file those as well, but they may not know which direction that we are going. Mm -hmm. All right. So the current situation is that the ship is not in very good condition. The cat are sending not just the normal troops here, but like elite agents to take care of this. And they're unable to escape because the warp drive is down. Right. So, of course, it's our job to fix all this. So we go through the ship, fighting waves and waves of cat, touching consoles, putting cables back together, and we eventually get the, warp, the, the drive core back online. While doing all of that, Sam finds Pathfinder Ashara's final audio log, and this is where things start to get a little bit interesting. In the recording, the Pathfinder is under attack and ask for Sarissa's help. Sarissa decides to prioritize obtaining that secret cat data, the, the data that mm -hmm. is the routes through right. the scourge. And instead, you know, while she's doing that, decides, well, the, the cat are just going to have to take over the Pathfinder. And that's how the Pathfinder gets killed. It was because Sarissa didn't help her. Which, which I can understand being in that situation. You might decide that it's more important to have this data than to save one person. I can understand that. But, but Cora tells us, that's not, that's not this person's job. Mm -hmm. Sarissa's job is, the term that she uses is Tiamna. And she says, well, Tiamna used to mean guardian of temples, a champion who stayed faithful even when all was lost, and that Sarissa left her to die. So for this culture, for this group of people, or Asari, mm -hmm. th this is a really bad thing. And so what we're seeing here is Cora looked up to Sarissa like a hero. Right. And so she's she's seeing this betrayal. She's seeing this. My heroes aren't who I thought they were kind of thing. Right. So we're greeted with more and more cat. Some cat hunters arrive and they just start sending in waves and waves and waves of soldiers, ending with the Valiant, who we had heard the word Valiant previously, but we didn't know exactly what it meant. We, I think we had guessed, or at least I had guessed, that it was the name of an elite squadron? Nope. It's one particular it's a single, Yeah. Yeah. Who, who leads this elite squadron. Right. So you, you fight him. It's, it's another boss character. And it's another boss character with a floaty orb thing. Right. So not much variety there. <sighs> no. <laughs> but we do, you do eventually beat him, obviously. And he's, he's all like, forget this. We're not, we're not going to try to capture these guys. Just, just kill them all. He's just, whatever. And so we see, so what has happened is that a cat ship has come mm -hmm. and is now attacking the Asari Ark. Right. And starts shooting out, just, I don't know what, space missiles. Right, of course. 
And I guess the val- the valiant just doesn't care if he's going to die. He he's he's that upset. So Sarissa arrives and she forms a, a a small biotic force field to shield against the missiles that are incoming from the cat ship. And Cora, because she's got all of these biotic abilities, helps out and makes that shield even bigger. And they're able to use that field to not just deflect the the incoming missiles, but to bounce them back at the cat ship. And they destroy the cat ship just by holding up this giant biotic shield, basically. Well, that was awfully nice, Sakura. But sure. And so awfully so convenient that so, they deflected all those missiles straight back. Sure. Okay, but sure. But look, but look, but look at the situation here. This is Sarissa asking for help. This is like, so this is Sarissa saying, Cora, please help me. I, we need to make this, this thing bigger, which is the exact same situation that her Pathfinder was in. And she didn't help out. So, so Cora, being the better Asari human, Asari, <laughs> Asari. goes all Tiamna yeah. and helps her out. Right. She didn't have to. No. Well, probably if she wanted to live. Well, yeah. I mean, so it's a slightly it's, different situation, right? right? But it, I mean, it is trying to mirror that, I guess. Right. Because if she doesn't, they're all dead. Cora's dead. Sarissa's dead. The Pathfinder's dead. And every remaining Asari that's still in, in stasis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's probably not actually that difficult of a decision, or frankly, even that valiant, or uh, like it, it doesn't really make her. A bigger person than Sarissa. She really had to do this. <laughs> Fortunately, we don't have to deal with keeping these feelings locked away because immediately afterwards, well, Sarissa starts doing this all good job, everybody. That was good work kind of speech. But Cora interrupts her to tell, tell her that they know what happened to the Pathfinder. So I'm glad that they got this out in the open right away. Mm-hmm. They argue for a bit. Cora says that uh, Sarissa shouldn't have abandoned the Pathfinder. Sarissa argues that it was in the best interest of her people to do what she did. And we, as our character, Ryder, point out that, okay, sure, but you didn't bother to tell anybody about it. Right. So this leads us to our first big decision, well, at least for this episode in our series here. And that decision is, should we continue to keep this decision that that Sarissa made quiet and not tell people that Sarissa chose to not save the Pathfinder so that she could instead recover this the secret data from the cat? Or should we make make it so that all of the Asari know what happened here? Yeah, and? And <laughs> I chose to keep it quiet. And, and I did that because, A, I think she made the right choice. Maybe it's not the most Asari thing to do in, in getting that data, but Essentially, Sarissa chose the Ark and all of the thousands of people in stasis over the Pathfinder. And I think that's the right decision. So I don't know that I would really want to keep it quiet, but in this sort of situation, not keeping it quiet is probably just going to cause a whole lot of you know, dissension. And that's, that's just not what we need right now when we're trying to get this I'm already feeling like I made the wrong decision. <laughs> so, so what did you do? I picked the opposite. Okay. I, I said, granted, you may be right. You may be right in the sense that this was the best decision, but I still feel like people should know because I don't like keeping secrets. I'm really bad at keeping secrets and I'm always afraid that someone's going to find out about the secret. 
Oh, and for sure. if they do, <laughs> it's going to be that much worse. Mm-hmm. So what's the worst, like, what's the worst case that's going to happen here? If people do find out about it right now, like what's, what's the worst that could happen? You could see a fracturing of, of the Asari and the crap that happened on the Nexus could happen with the Asari where you end up with a bunch of people fighting against each other already bunch of them getting exiled because that's what you do in the Helios clusters. You exile people and then you <laughs> exile the exiles. So that's the worst that could happen in that situation. But if you lie to them and they do find out about it later, I think you're going to have the same thing. But on top of that, they're not going to be able to trust you or us. And so we won't be able to be there to try to unite people or to figure things out. I, I don't completely agree. I think that if, if you kind of keep this a secret, and then it does get out, some people are going to be mad. And the greater population, it probably will be split between a couple of different camps. But those camps will be, here's a big group of people who's super upset that this was hidden and think that they should probably get rid of Sarissa as a result. Right. And the other group of people will be like, meh, she made the right decision. This isn't that big of a deal. And I don't, I don't think those two groups of people would be like splintering the entire population and exiling people left and right. I think that they might get rid of Sarissa and then they'll move on. Well, I think, isn't that, the, isn't that what would happen if I just tell the truth? I feel, like that's, I feel like that's the same end result. That if we say now, you're going to have the same groups of people say, well, we can't, we can't trust her, get her out of here. And the other groups that go, man, whatever. But the point is, is that they would be moving on. And by not being involved in the lie, I feel like that'd be even easier mm-hmm. to make sure that the, the people come together. I don't know. I'm, I'm having a hard time even justifying why I made this decision. <laughs> so I'm curious then because there's a follow up. So when I chose to tell, the, tell people about it, the captain comes over and I say, or Cora says, what happened to the captain? Captain's super upset asks who's in line, who's next in line, you know, with the assumption that, well, this Sarissa can't possibly be Pathfinder, so who's next? And it's Vidaria. Do you remember Vidaria? Mm-hmm. She's the, she's the Asari on the ship who's kind of helping us out with getting the drive core back online throughout yeah. this mission. She's the one who's next in line. So did that conversation happen with you? No. So did things just go on and that was the end of the mission? That was pretty much the end of the mission. Okay. It leads to another decision for me. Oh. Yeah. So the dairy is next in line. And so now a decision pops up and the two options are, yeah, the dairy will be fine. She'll be fine. Or no, keep Sarissa as, path, as Pathfinder. Interesting. So given that situation, what would you do? Uh, this one's harder for me to make because it's been quite a few days now since I've played this mission. So I don't don't remember Vidaria as much. I do remember liking her and that she and I, I do have the feeling that she would have probably slightly better moral characteristics as I, I Pathfinder. Think, so but, I think to 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 set it set it up, yes. She the captain seems to prefer her because of what you just said. Yeah. But she also doesn't have a lot of experience. Right. That's exactly where I was going with that. Yeah. That that Sarissa she's like we've said she's written the book on leadership through crisis and yeah like core is always talking about like i i read those books i memorized those books like (laughs) literally literally there's are there are manuals like battle manuals written that the asari in in or these asari warriors are supposed to 
have read and studied. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I I think that if I would have been faced with that decision, I would have stuck with Sarissa anyway, even though she, you know, arguably made a poor choice in covering up what she had done. I still think she's overall going to be the better Pathfinder. That was my reasoning as well, which okay. is why I chose keep Sarissa <laughs> as Pathfinder. Okay. I said, you know, she's got the power and experience. This is, you know, it was, it was maybe not necessarily a mistake, but obviously it wasn't what people expected. Mm-hmm. And you're better off with her in charge because she is a good Pathfinder. Right. And you want someone like her to be in charge. No offense to Vidaria, but yeah. All right. So I believe the only thing left in this mission then is getting back to the Tempest yep. and having one more conversation with Korra. And this is this is kind of a, a big moment for Korra. She she realizes that she's been putting the Asari on a pedestal above everybody else. She's been idolizing them for so long and thinking that Sarissa and, and the Asari in general are just the the phenomenal species of the Milky Way. But she also admits that while she's been struggling with the fact that she wasn't made the Pathfinder, that she's starting to realize that it was probably for the best because she says that she's not a trailblazer like like the riders are and that mm-hmm. she she tends to look for mentors or or someone with a plan a plan that she can follow right. not a plan that she creates and implements and leads and not that that's a bad thing nope you it's need just, people like that it's just not the role of the pathfinder exactly yeah so that 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 concludes the loyalty mission loyalty earned yes <laughs> so cora likes us now but we also now have the asari arc that will be coming back to the nexus and so it sounds like regardless of our decisions we both ended up with sarissa being the pathfinder for the asari still correct okay all right so next up we are going to go on to the turian arc the so this mission is called turian arc lost but not forgotten this one's cool because it does take us to both of those new locations Eldin and H zero four seven C. I hate the name of this one, <laughs> but we'll talk about those when we get to them. So, Adivis, do you remember Adivis? I do, because he's the guy that uh, is basically guiding us through this whole mission. Yeah, but like, where did he come from? Where do we see him from before? He was in the previous Turian uh, arc. He mission. was on. Oh, he was on Havarl. Havarl. He was on Havarl. So when we found the Turians on Havarl, mm-hmm. he was there, and he's all like, "Dude, I don't know where my Pathfinder is." Right. I don't think he's dead because I'm not Pathfinder and I'm second. I'm next in line. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So somehow he gets word of some possible arc wreckage on Elodin. So we hightail it over to Elodin and it's yet another planet with yet another environmental danger. And in this case, it's just too hot. Stay out of the sun. It's too hot and toasty in there. Yeah, this is a... <laughs> This is, this is, I feel like every planet, this has been following like the Star Wars convention of <laughs> every planet has its, has a single environment type. Right. Right. There's the ice planet. There's, in this case, this is the desert planet. Mm-hmm. The entire thing is covered in desert. Uh, which, uh, those ideas in sci fi have always driven me insane because we live on a planet that has all those environments. All kinds of environments. So the idea that all of these planets out here just have one environment for the whole planet doesn't make a whole lot of sense. See, I think, I think though, that's for, in, in sci-fi shows, other planets are supposed to, if you're trying to tell a sci-fi story that resembles or tries to call out 
things that are happening on Earth, the other planets represent other countries. Sure. Right? So scale it out. But still, it, it, okay. Yeah. This is the desert planet full of sand, extreme heat. And on top of that, this is, so because it has this crazy environmental hazard, we know there must be some remnant monoliths there. And we do see those there. Mm-hmm. The other cool thing that this planet has is a half-buried remnant starship. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we didn't look at this at all during any of these missions, but nope. I want to go back and check that out. Yeah, what, this what made me there? think of, um, what is it, Star Wars Episode 7? It's 7, right? Oh, with the half-buried Star Destroyer? Yeah. Yeah. And that's like what Ray keeps digging in mm-hmm. and stuff? Yeah. yeah. It feels totally like that. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm excited to go check that out later. Anyway, so we, we come across the wreckage on Elodin. Uh, it's a there's a bunch of stasis pods stuck in the sand. We do some scanning. All all of the occupants are dead. And Pathfinder, his name is uh, Mason. Pathfinder Mason is not among them. So holy crap! It's a Pathfinder that's not dead so far. So far, <laughs> I mean, he's not confirmed to be dead in the stasis pod. <laughs> right. What's interesting is that the logs that we find indicate that the pods were jettisoned long after the Ark hit the scourge, which indicates that the Ark may still be out there. Mm-hmm. So we head back to the Tempest for, you know, a quick Skype video call <laughs> with Atavis to, to tell him what we found. And he thinks that his neural implant is receiving coordinates from Mason via Mason Sam and ask that we go and, and meet him at these coordinates. Yeah, I don't know if it's like some sort of flickering or it's like some sort of sense that he's he's receiving coordinates or something mm-hmm. like an SOS signal. So we go to these coordinates and it's right outside of H047C, a, a planet, supposedly. <laughs> and lo and behold, it's the arc. It's the Turian arc that we've been looking for. That's that's what was at the coordinates. And Atavis says H047C was supposed to be the Turian homeworld in Helios. What? Why didn't we start here? <laughs> I wanted to punch Mason in the face. Like, y- you weren't sure where your Pathfinder was, and you didn't think to start with the planet you were supposed to be going to? I realize that's not what they're supposed to do, right? Every, all the arcs were supposed to go to the Nexus. Sure. But we didn't we even go didn't to the do, Nexus. We first. did the same thing. We did. We went to our planet because we wanted to get people down and secure them since our ship was damaged. Their ship is damaged. They also appear to have tried to get to the Turian homeworld. So, yeah. It, yeah. It seems like we should have checked this area earlier. Yeah. So it looks like we're not going to. We don't actually go onto the planet or the planet during this mission. but. It's not really a planet anymore. It looks like it's been destroyed. It's just, it looks like a series of asteroids. So I, I was confused. Like, are we on the planet or are we on a moon of the planet or something? I think this is Because it looks planet. like a moon. Right. That's what it looks like. But I, it sounded like it was the planet. Somebody somewhere mentioned that the Scourge destroyed it. Yeah. The planet. And okay. now it's a debris field with no atmosphere. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense then. So... Sorry, Turians, you don't have a place to live. Nope, maybe should have went to the Nexus first. (laughs) But we're not here to go on the planet right now. We're here to check out this Ark and find out what's on the Ark. Hopefully, it's Mason. Yeah, so we do get on the Ark, wander around, explore. We do eventually find the Ark's SAM node. Uh, It's behaving wacky, 
but a quick pep talk with our Sam fixes it up. We learned that Pathfinder Mason was mortally injured and ordered his Sam to find a home for the Turians, notify Adivis, and then transfer Pathfinder responsibilities to him. I, I think it's I think it's it's weird to me that all these Sams are all called Sam. I realize it's an acronym that stands for something, but it sounds like a name to me. So they're like, oh yeah, Sam, my Sam. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is my this is Sam. No, my Sam. My Sam is the Sam. You gotta call your Sam something else. Yeah. And they all have different voices. Yeah. They all have like the different species twist on their on their voices. So there's a little bit of work to get through the arc and to eventually find Sam Note and all that stuff. But this is a very short mission for mm-hmm. <laughs> for finding this missing arc. And this is basically the end of it. We're left with with Avidus trying to figure out what to do, uh, whether he's going to be the Pathfinder or not. And he's he's really in, in no good mental state right now because it it appears that there may have been more than just a a strong friendship between Avidus and Mason. It it seems like they might have been, I don't know. What are you implying, Joshua? That they had a romance relationship, not just a friendship, not just a working relationship. What makes you say like he's because he's devastated that Mason is dead. Uh, that it it mentions that that when Sam calls to him, he calls him by his nickname that only Mason used, and that that Mason had this nickname for him that other people didn't have. So it it seems like it, it was a heck of a friend at the very least, a really really strong friendship. I'm not sure that it really matters. It doesn't matter if it was more than that, but it it feels like it was more than that. So he's kind of emotionally wrecked here and isn't really sure how to deal with the fact that Sam is like, uh, hey buddy, you're the new Pathfinder. Let's let's complete the transfer so that you can be the Pathfinder and we can get a move on. And so he says, but I, I don't know how to lead people. I don't want to lead people. And you're left with another decision here. And your options here are to say, buddy, <laughs> it's your call. This isn't up to me. You're the one who gets to choose whether or not you want to be the Pathfinder. Or you encourage him and say, yeah, you can do this. You can totally do this. What do you mean he doesn't, doesn't want to be the Pathfinder? Does, does he not realize what this job entails? Like, Maybe he does realize what this job entails. No, no, I mean, when you accepted... When he accepted his current position, oh. did he not realize what that meant? Did he not realize that all of the Pathfinders would die within minutes of <laughs> awakening in the like, healing cluster? As far as we know, they haven't said like, oh, you're 10th in the line or whatever. Everybody else is dead. Right. From what we know, he is second in line. So right. that means that he left the Milky Way galaxy expecting everything was going to be just fine. And that mm-hmm. he, it was, ne- I think he mentions like he never thought it would happen. you're going to a whole nother galaxy anything setting up colonies and whatnot and you didn't bring an army with you (laughs) (laughs) so i I, at this point i just didn't care at this point what he did (laughs) like i couldn't believe what he was saying so i wasn't going to encourage him right so i said whatever man it's 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 your call whatever you want to do Right. What did you say? I said the same exact thing. This guy is should absolutely not be a pathfinder. If you don't think you can be, yeah, you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, like I, I think about what this would be like in in reality, where 
the the president selects a vice president <laughs> and then the president dies and yeah. the vice president's like, whoa, whoa, whoa I, I didn't actually want to be president. I never thought it would happen. <laughs> um, that's what you signed up for, chief. So we're kind of left hanging here. We we don't really know what happens with the Turians at this point, right? In in, in terms of their pathfinder. Yeah. No, because he he does walk away. He he doesn't take. He says he doesn't want to do it. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's someone next in line, just like we saw with Bedaria. So we just don't know who that is, right? So we'll hopefully find that out soon. But that does it for this particular mission. Yeah, that was nice and short, short and yep. sweet. So next up, we have another loyalty mission. This is for one of your favorite characters, Vetra Nix. Vetra. She's talked about her sister Sid a few times, and now we get a, a mission where we get to see what she's like mm-hmm. in a story that revolves around her. Right, uh, right. The setup for this mission is that Sid has learned about some settlers who have gone missing. She believes they've been kidnapped and are being held in a cave on H047C. So I don't really know where Sid is right now. I think she's on the Nexus. That's what I thought, too. She's intercepting messages, radio transmissions. Mm-hmm. I don't know what. I don't. So, right at the beginning here, I want to say that I actually didn't intend to do this mission. What do you mean you didn't intend to do? this I mission? I didn't intend to do this mission. So we mentioned that there's a priority op for going to HO47C. So I went to HO47C and then was looking through my journal, and mm-hmm. it's like, hey, go go over there. Okay, I'll go over there. And I don't maybe I was just tired. I have no idea how I ended up selecting this mission without actually realizing it. But I'm driving along and then I realize, oh, this is this is the Vetra mission. Well, I guess I might as well finish it at this point. It it'll hopefully it'll be cool. Yeah. And and it and it actually was. Okay, so that's that's cool because we get to talk then about so this we just talked about H047C as the Turian homeworld that could have been. It's been destroyed. So we actually do land on one of the debris asteroids right. and drive around in the Nomad. The environmental hazard here is that because it's not a planet, it doesn't have an atmosphere. So you can't, and, and with, with no atmosphere, radiation is off the charts. So you can't even leave the Nomad. Yeah, so this is a destroyed planet. It does have environmental hazard. In, the, in strong cosmic radiation, but there's no monoliths. There's, there's no way that we're going to be fixing up this planet. Right. It, it's a destroyed planet. It's, yeah. in, it's in pieces, literally in pieces. No amount of remnant technology. Well. There's no remnant superglue to put this thing back. Maybe there is. <laughs> maybe we do fix this up for the Turians later, but at this point, that's not going to happen. So this is an interesting planet to just navigate around because the sound is real muffled. Mm-hmm. You know, usually sci-fi doesn't really care about the fact that you can't really have sound travel in a vacuum, but in here they kind of are doing it. It's pretty neat. Yeah. I just wanted to mention one thing before we get too, for, too much further into this mission. Did you happen to have any interesting sound or voice clips during driving around on this planet? Not that I remember. This planet doesn't have a lot of gravity either. So, and there's a lot of, it, like you said, it looks like a moon. Mm-hmm. And it's got huge craters and stuff. I would like jump off like and fly into the air over one of these craters. And I had both Vetra and Jal in in the Nomad. And first 
they well they both just like screamed out and and laughed like they're on a roller coaster or something <laughs> not together like first it was i went over one bump and it was vetra like <laughs> and i'm like what was that <laughs> and then and then i land and i keep going on and then the next one jaw does the same thing have you heard jaw laugh like a little girl I have. I don't think so. I have. <laughs> it's, it seems so out of character for him. But. Here's another quick side note to this. You're playing on PC, so maybe you're not paying attention to achievement-like things. Mm-hmm. I'm playing on Xbox. There's an achievement that I discovered before going to HO47C that's something like, I don't remember exactly how it's worded or what the number is, but make the Nomad fall Or no, it's airborne. It's make the nomad go airborne for like 35 seconds or something like that. And I'm like, 35 seconds? How is that even going to be possible? This has got to be how it's possible. I I did not achieve this achievement while I was there, but this has to be it. Because you can get that nomad cruising, jump off these craters and and be airborne for a while. (laughs) Okay, so... There are still things on this planet to check out. There are like these small energy domes that, mm. that contain buildings inside or small structures. Mostly cat. So little, little, little small settlements. I'm not even sure you can call them a village or a town. It's just, a, it's just like a couple buildings in there. Right. And so we are, we got to drive the Nomad on this boring trip across this asteroid to uh, one of these domes. After we get inside, we somehow manage to trigger a trap door in the floor. <laughs> on the way down immediately regret taking this mission we chat with our captor over comms and also with a group of settlers we find a trap down there and between talking with the two of them here's here's what we've learned this is what we figured out is what's going on here our captor is a gang leader named Meriwether, and she runs a smuggling ring on kadara which is that exile planet that we went to mm-hmm. last mission the group of settlers that are trapped down there are actually exiles from the nexus who ended up working for her they came to disagree on the things that she was doing, and so they wanted to stop working for her. They wanted to get out, and they claimed that Vetra helped them escape and find new lives by hiding out in these new outposts that were setting up on the planets. Mm-hmm. Meriwether seems to substantiate the claim by not disagreeing with anything that they said, and, uh, and that she baited us into this trap in retaliation. Vetra doesn't have a clue what's going on. <laughs> right. And has no idea what anybody's talking about. Right. Ryder's like, Vetra, you better come clean right now. And, and Vetra's like, no, seriously, I really didn't do this. So we're in this, in this trap. It's like a prison. And we, of course, escape. We have to do some sneaking around some guards, make our way through the base. Uh, eventually, Sid, Vetra's sister, does confirm that actually it was her who was doing all this work, pretending to be Vetra. She said it was just easier to get things done when people thought I was you. At this point, we have to go through a series of little challenge rooms. And so Sid isn't with us. She's still talking with us over comm, but she's got access to security cameras and whatnot. So the idea is that before each challenge room, we're going to have a chance to peek into the room before we open the door, move a camera around, see what's in there, and kind of plan out what we're going to do. And Sid is going to be able to manipulate an object in the room of our choosing that may help us. Right. So the very first room... We have, it's a mess hall, and we have three options. We can blow up a generator, which looks like it might take out some of the guards, or at the very least, provide enough of a distraction to allow you to easily kill the rest of the guards. They also point out that there's a workshop 
that looks like it might have some sweet loot in it, but also looks very heavily guarded. Or we can just have Sid do nothing. I chose, let's blow the generator. I'm not so concerned about loot at this point. I've been getting so many awesome weapons by doing the little mobile app strike missions, mm, whatever yeah. they are, mm-hmm. that I don't need to risk my life to go get loot. <laughs> yeah, I did this. I did the same thing. I just blew the generator and I, I didn't have any problems getting through this room. Nope. So the next room is a menagerie with a bunch of animals in cages and whatnot. And by animals, I mean horrible alien beasts. Mm-hmm. And you're... Your choices are there's there's some turrets in there. You can change the turret protocol so that it will attack uh, the guards. You can just completely disable the turrets or you can unlock the cages and let the uh, beasts out. Or, of course, just do nothing and go in with, with no help. So what did you do in this room? I changed the turret protocol. Me too. Maybe these are all just obvious answers. Maybe they, I, I don't know, like freeing the beast would have been an interesting one. But then that means that I have to kill the beast too, and right. I didn't really. And want disabling to the turrets that. seems less helpful than having the turrets help you <laughs> right. shoot other people. It, for it you. did seem slightly risky in that maybe the turret protocol could get turned back to kill me. Yeah, but eh, I I went for the risk anyway and said let's just use the turrets to our advantage. Okay. The uh, third room is a workshop. It's got a huge engine that you could blow up, similar to blowing up the generator in the first one. There's gas like poisonous gas going through the room you could gas them there's also one of these big hydra armor things in the room no one's in it yet it looks like a like a mech or something right and you've had to fight some of these in the past so you could also choose to disable the hydra or again do nothing uh this one also seemed really obvious i don't want to fight any more of those hydras yep i had Sid disable the hydra yeah you know, I did too, but you know what else? I did everything because I kept dying over and over on this room. Really? Yes. I think I'm pretty sure I disabled the armor first. Mm-hmm. And then for whatever reason, I, I, just, I died. So I'm like, well, I'll just try something different. I tried blowing the engine. I still died. I tried gassing them, which worked out pretty well. But when I ran into the room and fell, I fell down into the gas, which didn't help <laughs> me at all. But I, I was, and then... I think, yeah, when I blew the engine, that Hydra armor just tears you apart. Right. So I did finally make it through <laughs> by disabling the armor again and real and and I don't know what it is. I managed to I managed to make it through. I don't think I died in this room. Oh yeah. Over and over. All right. So that that's the last uh, little challenge room. And those were cool. I really liked them. Yeah. And then you're finally to the exit of this building where you're ready to face down Merriweather. We actually see Sid in this case. So Sid has been uh, captured. She was hiding out somewhere, but she's been taken hostage by Meriwether. Meriwether has some grenade of some kind, some space grenade, and she's threatening to kill everybody. And it's not like a decision, like a response decision in terms of something to say. Mm-hmm. But for a few moments there, the, it does flash on screen an option to pull the trigger, right trigger, to do some shooting. Right. To shoot at Meriwether, presumably. Right. And did you take advantage of that option? Heck yeah, I took advantage of that <laughs> option. <laughs> I figure I'm a pathfinder. I'm, I've got specter lineage running through me. I'm going to take this chick out. Yeah. And then what happened? You don't take her out, but you basically scare away enough for her to, to run away and to free Sid. Yeah, I think she drops the grenade. Vetra takes a grenade, throws it. Mm-hmm. 
kill some people. Yep. But that, I mean, that leads into a boss fight, right? I mean, that leads into a big battle. So it, you had to keep taking out her guards and you do actually have to shoot down Meriwether too. So in any case, we kill everyone. Like usual. There's uh, a little bit of conversation between Sid and Vetra. They reunite. Sid apologizes, saying she just wanted to help people. Well, and, and she's also talking about how she's kind of idolized the things that Vetra has done and the things that, that Ryder is doing and, and kind of wants to be cool and awesome like us. And Vetra's like, you have no idea what it's like to be us. You have no idea what it's like to have to kill people to, to fight for your life like this. You don't want to be like me. I don't remember if there were conversation options that you could somehow change the outcome of this. I don't think so. In my case, they, they argue. They get back into a big argument and then Sid storms off. In any case, loyalty earned. We now have Vetra's loyalty. All right. So real quick, we've got those big missions out of the way. Let's get a romance update. It's Mass Effect. We got to talk about romance. Did you, you've been working on PB. Have you made any further with PB? Anything interesting happen? Oh, yeah. I have some updates with PB. Well, Josh, do I have some updates for you? (laughs) My update is I messed up real bad. Oh, no. (laughs) So I go meet with PB in her escape pod room, you know, Mm -hmm. where she's kind of put her stuff. And she's freaking out about something. And I mean, to the point where she doesn't even notice me come in. And she's so it turns out that she's just really stressed. She's not feeling comfortable in her current situation. She doesn't like knowing or she doesn't like people knowing where she is, where her stuff is. I don't know. And I'm just like, dude, chill. Just chill out. You need to relax. And she agrees. And apparently the way that she used to relax back in the Milky Way is that she would go hang out in a zero a zero G chamber or an isolation tank. I think I can relate to that. I think that that would be sure. a nice way to relax. Our wingman Sam chimes in. Oh, no. And he's like, hey, you know, you can turn off the gravity in the escape pod. And she's super happy about this. All right. That's a great idea. PB looks to me and says, you know, there's room for two. (laughs) And I respond with, that's all I need to hear. So we're floating around and, you know, just chatting a little bit. Oh, yeah, this feels so good. You know, whatever. But PB then says, Ryder, there's something else that would relax me. What's that? That's the spirit. Want to fool around? (laughs) It doesn't matter if you have something else going on. I can be utterly discreet. Just fun. Two people blowing off steam. No strings attached. Only if there's no strings. And so here's here's where the whole thing falls apart. So she says she'll only hang out with you if there are no strings attached. Yes. Okay. So I'm like, this is a trick, right? Or like... And I'm like, I'm into you, PB. I'd want it to mean something. And she's like, oh, huh. Good to know. And then it just fades to black. That's it. (laughs) That's it. I mean, I should have known right from the beginning. She's said that she doesn't want to be in in any sort of relationship. Mm -hmm. And you're hoping you could tame her. (laughs) I'm guessing. I I, I just don't listen, I guess. I don't pay attention to Apparently. Um, so I have no idea if I'm going to have options later on and whether or not they'll be well received. Yeah, that's, uh, that stinks, man. So those are my updates with PB. How are, how are you and y'all doing? So I, we didn't talk about it this episode because you haven't done this mission yet, but I did Jaws mission, which is called friend or foe. Okay. And part of the reason is, you know, it's 
the, the romance dude that <laughs> so let's go and do all of his missions and stuff. Yeah. There wasn't actually a lot of romancy stuff that came about from it. So most of this mission is around dealing with Aksul and when you're done with it, you just have uh, romance options where you basically just get to say, well, Aksul's just jealous of you because <laughs> you're the better man. And that's, that's like it. Oh, that, that, that's pretty much the, the only direct romance line okay. that I had with Joel through all of this stuff. So I don't, I'm, certainly in a better position than you are yeah. but I, well, I don't feel like i'm <laughs> that much closer i went uh yeah well hopefully that's just another stepping stone to something positive for both of you so if uh, i want to go back to to your situation here with pb if if this really is the end of the road with pb mm-hmm. are, are you done with with romance options or, oh or yeah who's, who's the not, next one uh no i'm i'm, I'm done i uh, it takes it's gonna take some time to recover <laughs> And I don't think I'm going to have enough time between now and the, and the end of our mission. Uh, okay. I don't think I'm going to be able to open my heart up to anybody that, that else. That seems like an honorable thing yeah. to do. Even if it's not what PB would do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, that wraps it up for this episode. Next episode, we are going to move on to the next main priority ops mission called uh, The Journey to Meridian. Let's go check this place out. All right. Well, before we get out of here, let's let all of our listeners know about the ways that they can get a hold of us. We want to hear how Mass Effect Andromeda is going for you. So you can email us, storyplayers at the digitalmediazone.com. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Josh Pollard. Joe is at what color Joe. And of course, if you want to hit up both of us at the same time, you can just tweet at VG Story Players. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash VG Story Players. And the biggest thing you can do, if you just like the show and want to show some appreciation, head on over to iTunes or Apple Podcast if you're on your phone and leave us a rating and a review. And it would it would help us out a lot and we would really, really appreciate it. Yeah, it helps helps other people find us and and so other people can enjoy this as well. Yeah, and join in the community with us. Cause we don't just want this to be a conversation between just Joe and I. We wanna talk with you guys too. So use all of those contact methods to do that. But that's going to do it for the seventh episode in our Mass Effect Andromeda series. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Joe Testazio. And we'll be back for the eighth episode in our Mass Effect Andromeda series next week. See ya. Adios. Adios.